Thank you, Rick and Jamie. Turn again to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And we'll begin in verse 30. In this passage of scripture, there's a lot of action. We looked at a lot of action this morning, and the human eye and the human interest uh, typically is drawn to the action. There's the action, of course, of the multitudes, and that had to be quite a bit of activity when over 5,000 people are moving all in one direction, and they all gathered around Jesus Christ. There was some activity, of course, when they went through the crowd to see how much food that they had, and one individual came forward with just five loaves and two fish. Then the activity of the uh, disciples as they had everybody to sit down, that took a while. You know, we read through that, and they, we're talking about going through and having five to ten to how many people, that many thousand people to sit down. Then, of course, the miracle happened when Jesus began to multiply the fish and the bread and to feed the multitude. But there's something here we don't want to miss before we leave this passage of Scripture. Uh, even though we are drawn to the activity of the Scripture, there's, there's a little detail we don't want to miss. And we want to look at that tonight. Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 30. Would you stand as the Scripture's read, please? Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going. They did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran their own foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that we may go into the surrounding, they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread. They have nothing to eat. But he answered them, said to them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. So he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up the 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish and of those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for teaching us about Jesus. Thank you for revealing some things about ourselves. Father, help us to get the message that you have for us tonight, the word you have for us in this past description, and then help us to remember that when we need it the most. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> All of this activity, and we find a very beautiful message in verse 31. And Jesus said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. 
Now we have to understand, as we mentioned this morning, the disciples had a very busy days. I'm not sure how long it was, but Jesus had sent them on a preaching tour two by two, and they had traveled. They had traveled and preached that people should repent. Not only did they preach, they also did some healing and ministering to people. They had invested themselves, and they traveled, and they walked, and they preached, and they and they ministered to people, and they were exhausted. They came together to him, and he said, come apart to a deserted place and rest a while. Of course, we know that didn't pan out for them like they wanted it to, but that was the intent of Jesus, and that was the instructions that he gave to the disciples. Now, the full impact of what Jesus just told them can very clearly be seen if we look to a few other passages of Scripture, some other statements. This, of course, has a lot of impact standing alone. But when we look at some other things that Jesus said, we realize this is a very powerful instruction that he gave to them when he said, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. If you'll turn to John chapter 4, verse 27. If you're familiar with the book of John, you understand the starting of this passage of scripture, fourth chapter of John, is when Jesus and the disciples had done for it. Very few Jews did, and that was they went straight through a Samaritan village, and he began to talk to a Samaritan woman at the well. And the disciples had gone to try to find food, and they were not with him when he dared talk to a Samaritan woman. They came back to the well with some food, and this is where we pick up the action in John chapter 4, verse 27. At this point, his disciples came. They marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat of, which you know not of. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. Do you not say, There are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Don't you say there's four months and then it's time to work. It's a harvest time. He said, lift up your eyes for the, wheels are, for the fields are already white on the harvest. Now, this is all happening at just the instant that all of those Samaritans are coming out of the village and coming to Jesus Christ. In that day and time, most people wore white or light-colored robes. And when Jesus looked out and said, all of that field of white coming toward him out of the Samaritan village, he said, look, the fields are already white in the harvest. And he said, don't you usually say there's four months then comes the harvest? That work time is not here yet? That work time will come eventually? He says, I'm telling you, the fields are already white on the harvest. The need for kingdom work is already urgent. 
Jesus said, the fields are white. There's a lot to do. And there's a lot to do right now. And it's already urgent. And the time to start with the kingdom work is right now. So we understand the principle for kingdom work is we need to start because eternity is at stake. But in the middle of all this, what did Jesus say? Come apart to a deserted place and rest a while. Then, of course, back up to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. We referred to this passage of scripture this morning. We were looking at something else. But then we want to zero in on something that Jesus said. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. The laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest that send out laborers into his harvest. The first statement is there's work to be done and there's work to be done right now. It is urgent that we start with the kingdom work. The second statement is this. The harvest is plentiful, but there are too few workers. There's an urgent need for more workers. That told us this, there's plenty of work to go around. And what he's saying is this. Here's what we do. Number one, we ourselves get into the work. And number two, we pray for more laborers in the harvest. And that's a crucial thing to do. So there's two statements that we can that we can look at. Number one, the need for kingdom work is already urgent. Number two, the urgency of kingdom work constantly requires more laborers and there's a place for all of us. All of us to do the work. Then another statement. Kingdom work requires deliberate focus and deliberate effort. Luke chapter 9, verse 62, Jesus said this, No one having has put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let me tell you this. He's not talking about heaven. He's not talking about looking back and losing your found salvation. The word fit for the kingdom of God is a Greek word that means well-placed, suitable, useful. Because he's talking about plowing a field. And in that day and time, of course, they plowed by hand, sometimes behind oxen, sometimes with a hand plow. And everybody that's ever farmed loves to have a good straight row. I mean, that's important. That's important. They want to have a good, straight, tight row. The only way you'll ever achieve this is to pay attention. And to pay attention every single day. Second, because if you let your eye stray the least little bit, you'll see it in your work. You have to have deliberate effort, and especially looking back. Now, somebody said, you know, that's what Jesus said, said, 
you don't want to look back because looking back shows that you're not really interested in the work. Oh, no, it, it's not what it shows, it's what it does. When I look back and I'm not focused on the work, it's not what it shows, it's what it does. I can mess some stuff up because I can plow the wrong spot. Then you know what happens if you have a crooked row? What happens when you come right back by it? The next one's crooked because you make that one guide. It takes a long time to get over that. Jesus was saying when it comes to kingdom work, it takes an eye on the goal. And it takes diligent focus. And it takes constant attention. And anyone who does anything otherwise is not suitable or useful for the kingdom work. There are some high requirements. It's not like, well, you know, the church is a volunteer organization, so I guess we take what we get. That is not the attitude of Jesus Christ. He said you make sure you pay attention. And you don't look back, you don't look around, you don't look up, you pay attention to your work, and you plow that straight row. Anything less is not useful to the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus meant every word of this. He meant every word when he said the need for kingdom work is already urgent. He meant every word when he says the kingdom work requires more laborers. We need more workers. He meant every word when he says, and when you engage in that kingdom work, it requires excellence and constant attention. Which makes verse 31 of Mark chapter 6 even more powerful. He meant every word of this, but right in the middle of all this urgent kingdom work, he told his disciples, you need to come apart and rest a while. You need to come apart and rest a while. Why is that? Because there's an underlying principle here of rest and time to regroup with the master. God had tried for centuries to talk to his people about this. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 15, or chapter 30, verse 15. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. In this passage of scripture, the Hebrews sound like a bunch of Americans. Look and see if you recognize it. In Hebrew, uh, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. And quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. You said, no, we'll flee on horses. Therefore, you shall flee, and will ride on swift horses. Therefore, those who pursue you shall be swift. God was saying, I'm wanting you to stop. I'm wanting you to rest. I'm wanting you to come apart to a desert place. And, and, and that quietness and confidence and rest, there's where your strength will be. And you know what they said? we got to ride faster. We're going to get us some faster horses. If all we can do is get there faster, we'll be okay. And he said, then that which pursues you will catch up with you. It'll catch up with you. See, what he's saying is this. You need to stop and rest. If it was important for the disciples, don't you think it's important for us? But 
In our American culture, stopping and resting is not something that uh, sometimes we want to do. We just want a lot of activity. We want a lot of noise. We want a lot of action. We want a lot of entertainment. And the key to really understanding the beauty of this statement, come aside by yourselves into a deserted place and rest a while is found in one word. You know what it is? He didn't say, y'all go and rest a while. He said, come. In other words, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. Isn't that something? The disciples were engaged in urgent kingdom work, and he needed every one of them, and he needed every minute of their work. But he knew that they needed some time to rest and to refresh with him. And he said, you, you come to a deserted place and rest a while, and I'll be there with you. Now, that's just like Jesus, isn't it? That's just like the Lord. It is crucial that even the busiest laborer stop and rest to remove himself from the work and spend some time with Jesus. Well, how do we do that? That's kind of a, a figurative speaking, isn't it? Well, how do we spend some time with Jesus? Stop and read the Gospels. Read the Gospels. If you're trying to find out where to read your Bible, just stop and start reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll spend some time with Jesus because you'll read about what he did and what he said. And then stop and pray. Talk to Jesus. Oh, there's another step too. Then stay still enough to listen for a while. Just stop. Stop. Don't read. Don't try to do any busy work. Just stop. Why? Well, there's just so much to do. I don't have enough hours in the day. There's never a good stopping place, is there? Never a good stopping place. I remember when I was a young pastor and talked to the older ministers, talked to older pastors, and we would talk about the work and how much work there is to do, and they would talk about their busy schedules and what they did and how long it had been since they had a day off and so forth, and they wouldn't stop and take a day off. And one of them finally said, Well, brother, it's better to burn out than it is to rust out. Either way, you're out. You don't have to do either. You don't have to do either. You stop and spend some time with Jesus. Stop and rest a while. I know a lot of tired people that could use some, just some slow time. You feel guilty about that. Jesus told us to do that. So that's your homework. I'm going to do what Jesus said. I'm going to stop a while. And I'm going to rest a while. I'm going to talk to Jesus a while. And then I'm going to get up, pick up the tools, Go back to work again and stay in my place of service because I won't burn out when I stay and rest a while with Jesus Christ. Is there anything before we close? Let's stand and be dismissed with a word of prayer. Thank you so much for coming tonight. <laughs>